We're going to talk about the great commandment this morning that Jesus gave, which is uh, love God and love one another, and tie that into uh, the wise man built his house on a rock. So, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus into the world. When, if you have an important message, if you have something you really want to make sure is communicated, um, one of the things you might do is send somebody you really trust. And if you're really concerned about getting that message through, uh, you, want to get, you want to send that message and, and be confident that it's not going to change as it's being passed on, right? And one of the things, therefore, God does is He says, I place so, so much value on you as an individual that I want to send the only person I can trust to pass on a message to you. And that is that I love you. Now, I look out over this church every week. Every week. Every song. And I still believe the number one issue is us actually being open to that love. You'll be amazed how much disengagement there is here. Do you know what I mean by disengagement? I'm not rebuking you at all. Disengagement is about not paying attention. Disengagement is about thinking what I'm going to have for lunch today while we're singing, Jesus, I love you. Disengagement is about not allowing God to get close. Because we don't know what we will do if he does get close. And he sent Jesus and the only thing and the major thing God the Father wants to say to you and to me is that I love you. And I say this almost every week. I had a father who never knew how to express that. And many of us have parents maybe who we never hear those words. We never hear the words that somebody says to us in the flesh, I love you. From parents I'm talking about right now. And that's why, and, and many of you who I've spoken to over the years, I'll just look you in the eye and say, tell me about your dad. And many of you choke up and cry like I did because I don't know the love of the Father like that until Jesus comes and says, well, we have a dad that is common. He will be a father to you. Now, I want to talk about God the Father and Jesus saying to them, love one another and love God and love one another. And he said, everything hangs on this. When something hangs on something, it means when that hanger is taken away, it all falls down. The vast majority of Christian living and striving is because the hanger has fallen down. And you hang it on something else. You hang it on biblical truth. That's a, a really great one so respectable 
It says so in the Bible, quoting, 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 quoting. There's nothing wrong with that except if love is not there, you're an empty gong. This is good news, actually. So the contrast, for those of you who have never heard this, is this is my theme, which is Egypt is the, is, is the place of slavery. Egypt is the place of I do it on myself. Egypt is trying to get the box to Germany without FedEx, like take it and walk. I'm serving the Lord. I'm taking the box to Germany. And the Lord says, oh, dearie, dear. He sent FedEx. FedEx, the promised land is FedEx, which is my power, my resources, my ways, which are not your ways, and you will see something happen far more quickly. That's the good news of God in Jesus. All right? You have the Egypt slavery promised land, God's promise. When Jesus came into the world, he came from the, in a sense, he came to say, this life that you live, there's another way to live it, on earth as in heaven. It's called the promised land. The promised land is you step into your inheritance on earth before you get to heaven. If you live in Egypt and you think that you're a Christian in Egypt, what you do is say, we've just got to hang in here till we die and then we'll have heaven and we'll have joy. But now we've just got to suffer for God. And God's really appreciative, but He said, my son did that. Thank you very much. I don't need anybody's help. I ask you to step into what He won for you. So the promised land is that land where Jesus says, that's where I want you to follow me. And in the promised land, believing is seeing. I'm repeating these things on purpose. Believing is seeing. In the promised land, it all looks the same as Egypt, except God said, go. And he said, your inheritance is there. And he says, you start walking and you will start seeing transformation take place. In Egypt, you have no hope of getting anything, so you just dig down and you suffer and you're a slave you're a victim it's the life of the of egypt is victim i have no control i have no power my circumstances dictate my life and i'm just going to try and stay alive in the promised land i am the son and daughter of the living god he has an inheritance and i have resources which would make you in egypt jealous and i'm going to step into this and you better watch out because i know who i am and you you get in my way you're in trouble because i'm powerful Jesus was powerful. He only got killed because he surrendered his life so that he could save ours. He said I can, to Pilate, he said, I could call out a legion of angels and you would be wiped out right now. That's my power and that's my authority on earth as in heaven. But I'm not doing it because I've surrendered that so that others would be set free. The problem in, the, in, in, in our culture is that we live an insipid, weak Christian life. Christianity is weak. Because all it is is lecture theaters and rules and rituals of Egypt. And it is unattractive to everyone. And it should be unattractive to everyone. Who the heck wants to go into slavery and become like you? Miserable, judgmental, you being anybody, all right? Not you personally. You know what I mean. So where's the good news? 
really important, though, to set these continual big pictures because that's the context of everything else. I had a great meal. I have Ted, I'm going to mention your name just to keep you awake. But, uh, you know, because t- t- I have some great breakfast with Ted, and, and he's, a, he's, he, he's, a, he's a cool guy, and we have some good times. But I've got to tell him about the elephants because it was so funny. And this was, honestly, this, this was a revelation that was just so funny. Because we were talking about finding God and, you know, how can you find God? Where is God, you know, in my business or in the world? Or, you know, life sometimes gets us down. And I looked across at Ted and I had this far side cartoon and I really think God does have a sense of humor. I know he has a sense of humor. I mean, look at you. Turn to the next person and say, there must, God must think something's funny. Look at you. Anyway... And so this picture came, it was saying, pretend, I wonder how many of you right now are saying, God, I want to know you and experience you more. I wonder how many of you are wanting that. Some of you are, the rest of you think you've arrived. All right, so imagine you're saying, I want to know God more. And I said, imagine that phrase is about looking for elephants. And I had this picture of Ted with binoculars looking for for elephants, saying, "Where where are the elephants? And he's sitting underneath one. He's sitting underneath one. And there's this big elephant and it's everywhere. And it was like God saying, I'm here. I'm here. I'm all around you. If you need to hear that today, hear it today. He's right here. Just don't sit at the wrong end of the elephant. You might get more than you bargained for. I didn't tell him that part of the picture, but I... uh. And so Jesus was revolutionary because he walked amongst the religious people and the people of his day with such confidence. And confidence in God can look like arrogance. It's just confidence. He just said, I know who God is. He's my Father. And he began to start tipping the religious system out and began to show the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand where people are healed, where demons are cast out of people, and where people come to know the love of the Father. They don't know that. Um, they did, you know, when people came to meet Jesus, they didn't go, oh, now I know the love of the Father. They didn't even know there was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They didn't know all of that. They experienced something. And, once the, and when they experienced it, they began to sense a new hope and freedom. They didn't know what it was. That took time. I said on Tuesday, sometimes your heart will take you where your head can't go. That's what Christianity is about. If you try to follow Jesus with your head, you won't go anywhere. Other. You'll keep bumping your head against legalism and limitations. Try and make sense of the resurrection. Try and make sense of the love of God dying on a cross for your sins once for all. You see, what Jesus did on the cross is just what Visa does. They send you a card and say, activate it. You go, how can they do that? You just phone them up and activate it. Same as with the cross. Once in time, Jesus did something that he said you can activate through time for the rest of time. Try and understand it? Good luck. Experience it? Absolutely. How do you experience it? You activate it and then you push the card in. And if there's money in that, it'll come out. You can only know the power of Jesus' life and words through activating, which means you do something. You respond. 
And so Jesus, if you don't believe me, let me illustrate it. When Jesus was asked by the Pharisees who were continually trying to trick him into things, and powerless people do that. Do you want to know a very easy test of somebody who has no power? They will just argue you to death. All they do will, will they'll bring up arguments and disagreements. They'll be critical. If you want to see powerlessness, just watch. It's lots of theory, but very little practice. It's a lot of words, but very little substance. Nothing's quite right enough for me to be able to give myself to that because you know who they are, because you know what that is. It's just ongoing negativity. It's part of the church of Egypt and it's part of demonic slavery. It immobilizes people. There is no hope in that. That's why I totally concur we need to talk to people about Jesus and share the love of Jesus. I wouldn't mention hell too much. Jesus didn't. Jesus loved people into the kingdom. And that's what we're talking about today. And so Jesus said, you know, he was being asked by these Pharisees who, who were so used to having all their systems in place and this is how God works until God doesn't work like that in Jesus. And then they're completely hooped and so they kill him. And they said, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then love one another as yourself. Upon, all the, upon these two hangs everything, the law and the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. How's that going? In Egypt, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, what are you doing every day? How are you doing it? What are you reading? How are you performing? What are you doing? What are you reading? How are you performing? That's what it is like. How are you going to love God? Show Him that you love Him. So you start with loving Him, reading His Bible, and loving, 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 loving in what you can do with your strength. And then when, with what you've got left over, you've got to get on with other people, I suppose. It's kind of, I'm going to, be, I'm going to exaggerate to make the points. I think that is almost demonic in Christianity. I think that is almost... Satan's version of Christianity. It is absolutely designed to divide people and depress people and kill the church. That message. God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus into the world. What to do? To die on a cross and draw people to the Father. So guess what? He says, the greatest command is to love God with all your heart, your soul, and mind. How do I do that, Jesus? Hang out with me. What do you mean? Well, we both know you can't do it. So the command that is given by God is actually an invitation. He says, if you want to love me with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind, then get to know me. And when you experience my love for you, your response will fulfill the command. So if you want to love God with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind, it's no point in singing songs. It's no point in doing actions. 
There is every point in engaging with the one who loves you and receiving that. So what's the first test of how that's going for you and me? A simple conversation. So tell me about the love of Jesus in your heart right now. I would ask you to come up. Take the microphone. Tell me about the love of God in your heart right now. I'm not accusing you. I'm not actually doing anything to you negative. I want, to, I want truth to rise up inside you. So how would it be? You have the evidence in yourself right now of where that love is. Because God the Father says, I could stand up here and I'll boast about each one of you. And I'll boast about what I love of you. I'll boast about who you are, how I intend you to be, who I intend you to become. I will have words flowing out of my heart for you. I promise you. You ask me to speak about the love of God, I would tell you about how He touched my life. I've told you this many times. I would tell you how He, 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 he saved my life. I tell you how He was so merciful to me when I got so disillusioned with Him. How faithful He is. I could tell you, I could spend the whole morning telling you about how His love has changed me and is still changing me, hopefully. Everything hangs on the love of God. So Cheryl, come up here please. This is spontaneous. I don't even know what I'm going to do right now. So, um, if, I, if I were to... to you see, I, I, I'm getting to know Cheryl. And what Cheryl likes is um, hug me baby <laughs> lots of hugs and engagement I'm not good at this you see so I'm being coached um, what it's time to hug now? yeah 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 it's time to hug I want to hug but love is expressed in something if I um, just engage with Cheryl like this all the time how would it be, Cheryl? It would not be good at all. Okay. And then if I said, uh, yeah, Cheryl, I think I like you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, for Cheryl is my wife. Okay, you can sit down. Thanks so much for... You want a hug? <laughs> you want a hug? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, we resonate with that because God is that. And God the Father says to you this morning, I'd love a hug from you. I'd love a hug from you, not because I'm in need but when, you hug, when my daughters hug me, I know that our relationship is still there. I will see my daughter, Michelle, tomorrow. We'll have lunch in Nanaimo. 
And uh, I don't see them that often because we're all busy. But I, when I see them, the first thing we do is hug. I never had that in my family. But I don't have to be held by that. There can be another way. And so when I say I look out and there's disengagement, I'll say there, there's many people here who still are holding back on God. And you're waiting for God to do something and he's saying, I'm not doing any more. I want you to humble yourself. I want you to embrace me. I want you to hug me. And I'll hug you back and then you'll fall apart. Because you will receive what you're asking when you just step out a bit. And so Jesus said, I keep coming back to this and then I forget that I was meant to speak about this. Um, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was. All right, I've said that. What was the greatest commandment? Love God and love one another. I mean, all the things he could have answered. He says, love God, love one another. And then what happens? Peter denies him. You remember Peter denies Jesus at the cross and he runs away and he goes down to Galilee and he goes fishing because he does what he does well, which is depression and fishing and he doesn't catch any fish. And Jesus comes down to Galilee and he appears to him in the resurrection and Peter is blown away by this and he jumps in the water and he swims out to see Jesus and he fe- he's feeling full of guilt and condemnation because he goes, what's going to happen to me, maybe? And Jesus gives him breakfast and what does Jesus say to him? Peter, I want you to show me the memory verses you've had in the last 10 months. I want you to tell me... Um, your understanding of the crucifixion and resurrection you've had three weeks, uh, what sense do you make of what I've just done for you? Um, why don't you get it? After all these years, why aren't you getting it? He could have said a lot of things to Peter. But he said one thing to him. And this is the man who he was going to build the church upon in the sense of he said, on your statements I will build my church. You are the Christ. said one thing to him. He said, Peter, do you love me? Now he was saying to Peter, I love you. He knew, Peter knew that. It was the body language at that point. Jesus had turned up and he was smiling at him, I bet. And he said, Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. So Jesus makes statements. The greatest commandment, love God, love one another. To Peter, go out and feed my lambs. Start the Christian church. And it's all rooted on one thing, do you love me? Because if you don't love me, you've got nothing to say. John 14, 24. It's an interesting little phrase. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Do you hear that? He or she who does not love me and therefore does not know my love will not obey my teaching. Obedience to teaching follows openness to relationship. 
That's what God was saying through Jesus. Now, we've got to finish. Remember we started with a song called The House on the Rock? You know why we started with that? Because Jesus spoke about that. And, and as I've said, it's one of my pet peeves is that one of the things we've been able to do in the church is to reduce every profound teaching of Jesus into children's stories and then we go, oh, that's such a cute short song. The wise man built his house on the rock. The, the foolish man built his house on the sand. And when the rains come, when the, when the circumstances changed, the one who built his house on the sand, it was not enough and it fell down. Do you know what Jesus was illustrating there? The whole reason he told that story was because he said, people who put my word into practice will stand firm. People who put my word into practice. Listening to it and studying it and singing it is not about putting it into practice. Now, how many of you prefer Christian teaching to be vague and sentimental so we can talk about love of God, but let's not apply it too much because then it gets a little awkward. You know how awkward Jesus was? He kept insisting on applying it. Dang it, it was so cool until he applied it. He got crucified because he applied it. This is good news, really. Because you go back in the chapter from the wise man built his house on the rock. Do you remember we talked last week about the blessings they called the Beatitudes? The blessed are those who are poor, for they shall be f- blessed are the you know the hungry. And I was saying, and then the woe to you. And I was saying the blessings and the woes are descriptions of Egypt and promised land. It's not an invitation to misery, but we won't go back. Listen to the, to the tape if you don't, didn't hear it. I just want to, if you want to, read Luke 6 this week, every day. Because Jesus says this. He says, um, I tell you the truth. I tell you, hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, praise, pray for those who mistreat you. If, should I go on? It's, it gets awkward. If someone strikes you on one cheek, take your, uh, turn, to him, uh, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. To you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now, if that's not bad enough, he then goes on to say, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Given will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured over into your lap. For the measure, for the, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
Can a blind man lead a blind man? This is the lovely one. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. This is Jesus talking. It's rude. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You mean you love me and you're calling me a hypocrite? Absolutely. That's why I love you. What do you mean? You're offended me. No. No, 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 no. Your actions are an offense to my father and I'm telling you that you need to deal with it now because otherwise he's not going to be talking to you. That's love. It's called truth. We live in a time of fixation on political correctness to the point of, I'll lie and yes, you can go to hell. I'll lie to you because I'd rather not offend you. I'd rather let you stay there with the plank sticking out of your eyes because I don't want to hurt your feelings. And every time you swing around, you smack other people with a two-by-four sticking out of your head. Because your attitude is so bad. And we go around saying, oh, I don't want to offend you, I don't want to offend you, I don't want to offend you, this sweet little Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not sweet. I'm tough. And I'm telling you, you're a hypocrite. Why, Jesus? What do you mean? Because I'm looking at your relationships. I'm looking at your relationships. Do you understand that this whole chapter, he says, no good tree can bear bad fruit, for out of the overflow of his heart his mouth speaks. This whole chapter is about saying, so if you are loved by me and my spirit lives in you, then others will know the power of my love and the reality of who I am by watching and experiencing the way you treat them. And I expect those who call themselves followers of Jesus to have extraordinary generosity. I expect them to have an extraordinary capacity to love. I I, I expect them to be incredible in relationships. Because they know what it's like to be loved in their wickedness and they know what it's like to be given grace. And so they just, out of the overflow of their thankfulness, they extend it to others. You and I are called to be messages of the love of Jesus by the way that we interact with one another. That's not going to be perfect. But it's why God calls us into community and it's why God calls us into church. It's why God calls us into relationship. Because it's within those relationships that His presence and His power and His character is formed in us. And I, this is another broken record of mine. But I believe that the more we, 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 we wrestle with one another in community, the more we will see God work. The more we actually hang out with one another and say, this is what I'm wrestling with, the more we will see God work. The more we disappear and say, I'm just working it out with Jesus. I just get BS. You're talking nonsense. You're a coward and you're dishonest and you're a hypocrite. You're actually playing it and you don't really want to deal with anything. And there are two things that I want to deal with with everybody, including myself. The one is, you're extraordinarily loved. And the other is, you're still incomplete like I am. So get over it. But engage, engage, engage. 
So for most of us in this room, I would suggest you put down the Bible for a month. Don't read it. Just live out what you know already. Now don't go out quoting me saying you should never read the Bible. Please. Just start applying what you already know. And ask God for the experience of his love in your heart so that out of the overflow of your heart, everything about Jesus is relational and everything about your life that is ever going to be truthful is rooted in relationships. We need one another. Let's stand. So maybe as I've spoken, there's some relationships you'd rather not think about right now. I just want you to hear God uh, saying something. Hear God speaking to you right now. God does not speak with condemnation, ever. So there's nothing that I've said right now that he will put in your heart that is condemning you. That's the other guy. You don't need to listen to him. But what he will show you is areas that he wants to work on. And when he shows you an area that he wants to work on, he always says, I'll help you with that. I'll help you with that. But I know that for me, the number one area never changes, and that is, let me love you more. Let me love you more. Because it's out of that that everything else will flow. And for some of us, he's saying, will you stop wriggling and will you stop running? I just want to hug you. And I just want you to know that I love you this morning with all your baggage, with all your incompleteness, with everything. I want you to rest in that. That you can't earn it, you can't, you, you, can't, you can't do anything other than say thank you. I receive your love. And you know, some of you have talked to me, and, I, and it's cool you talk about being melted. And that's what God will do, He'll just melt you. You'll start melting you, and you'll start crying at times, you'll just start feeling again. And out of that place, so many of the answers to the cries of our heart will flow. So Holy Spirit, will you just pour out the love of Jesus as we break bread together, as we uh, go from this place? Will you just open our hearts to know how much we are loved by you? And if there are particular people that are you're struggling with right now, you say, you know, it's easy to say, love them but it's hard on the humorous side Jesus says well you weren't that easy but on the serious side he says I'll help you with that what I want you to do is understand that the person you're struggling with I love like a child so you're talking to me about my kid so I'll never take sides but I will help you because they're hurting too and they're acting out and what they're doing is wrong I'm not condoning what they're doing, 
but I love them like I love you. So I won't take sides when they talk to me about you and I won't take sides when you talk to me about them, but I will help you love in a better way. Because love in the Bible is about attitude and action. It's got nothing to do with emotions. You don't have to feel anything to love someone. Feelings just are the bonus that come along. That's why Jesus could command us to love. That's why he could lay down his life on a cross and say, this is love. He didn't feel like being crucified. And so he says, whatever you need to walk into the fulfillment of my commands over you, I will give you and I will help you. So receive it. And for once and for all, receive the joy of the FedEx reality. You don't have to slave over your life. God can help you do it far more efficiently and effectively. Amen. Thank you, Lord.